wonder if we could turn our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 1 of the chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and beginning our reading at the first verse of the chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast learned of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evil doer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts afresh. Let's just unite at the throne of grace and prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee that we can meet with thee afresh today. We thank thee for God's mercy to our hearts. We're glad, too, that the word of God is not bound. We're glad, our God, that thy word is free course. And we pray that it might be let loose today and that it might have a mighty effect upon our own hearts and upon the hearts of each one that is listening on in this meeting. Draw near and bless us abundantly, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. Well, today being Remembrance Sunday, we're remembering those that have made that ultimate sacrifice in the different conflicts down through the years. Today, as I said, marks the 80th anniversary of the Battle of El Alamein in North Africa. The Battle of El Alamein uh, took place in 1942 between two great generals, There was the uh, uh, Desert Fox, Erwin Rommel, and then the Spartan General Field Marshal, Bernard Law Montgomery. Now, the successes on the uh, Alamein battlefield took place um, around September, October. It meant that it broke the power of the German forces in North Africa. And when the victory took place in October, November, It was the first real British victory that there had been. They had suffered so many defeats. Um, They had had to withdraw from uh, Dunkirk and so on. They had been driven back. But this was the first real uh, 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 victory. It was a real victory that the British forces had over the Germans. And really it marked a turning point because... After that uh, battle, that great victory, the Americans came into the conflict, and then there was D-Day, and there were uh, successes in Italy, um, uh, in Normandy, in um, the the, uh, 
then going into Europe and uh, eventually to uh, Berlin itself, and then the great victory that was taking uh, took place in 1945. And we think of the mighty victory that was uh, uh, which took place way back there 80 years ago. Now the Bible has much to say about the conflict that we are in. And it is a mighty conflict that we are in, that we are on the victory side in. And you think about the many places where the Apostle Paul uses military language in order to speak about the Christian life. He refers to Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25 as a fellow soldier, and also in the second verse of Philemon, Paul referred to Archippus as a fellow soldier. We think of the financial support of those in the ministry, and he spoke then in 1 Corinthians 9 and 7, he said, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges, and he speaks about the financing of the work of God. In Ephesians 6, we're told to put on righteousness and faith and to have the word of God and we're to have the armor of God upon us. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul speaks of those that uh, speak for God even by way of tongues. And he says, if the trumpet gave an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself for battle? And there is no doubt that we as God's people are in a battle. We're in a fight for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 14, he says, warn them that are unruly. And the word unruly there has the connotation of military discipline. We are to be disciplined uh, troops as we fight in this battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not easy. And we have been thinking about some of the things that God's people struggle with. Uh, we've thought about temptation, about time, about the tongue. About, uh, uh, we have been thinking about um, the place of unbelief, trust, last week. Today we want to think about turmoil or the battle to keep the T's. We're thinking about per- turmoil. And he says here, therefore in due hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying to this young pastor. This is a man who's in the ministry. And he says to young Timothy here, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you can see there that in order to endure hardness, that because he's enduring hardness, that the battle and the fight is not easy. No battle or fight is. But we recognize that we are in a desperate fight and we are in a fundamental fight and we are in a very important fight as we are in this battle for the Lord Jesus Christ today. And I want us to think about the spiritual battle that we're in today. And we want to think about the struggle that we have of staying in the battle and staying in the fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are just a number of things, very simply, that I want you to see, particularly from this portion of Scripture. 
Now, first of all, as we think about the battle, the turmoil that we are involved in as we fight for the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to think about the appointment to the battle. Look at verses 3 and 4 of the portion of Scripture that we read again. It says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So you notice the call we received. He says, we are chosen to be soldiers. He says, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that's a command. It is an imperative. It's not a choice that we have. It's not a suggestion that is made. The Lord is saying, you are in this battle and you're in this fight. You are chosen to be a soldier. And the word chosen there could be translated enlisted. We're enlisted in the army. And of course, Paul told us about the time when he was called and appointed into this fight. We read about it on the road to Damascus when he was going down, breathing threatenings and slaughter against the people of God. And he saw a light above the light of the sun and the Lord broke into his life and saved him by his grace and he was made to bow in the dust before a new king and a new commander. And he was told then to go into uh, the city of Damascus where a man by the name of Ananias would meet him. And when Ananias came to him, he said to uh, the apostle Paul, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee that thou shouldest know as well and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth for thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. So there is his battle orders. He said, you are chosen, and you're chosen to be a witness. You're chosen to be in this battle. And we are in the battle as witnesses, as evangelists. We are in the battle as we seek to take ground from the, uh, the enemy. And we think of how the Lord said to his disciples, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and unto Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's what we are doing. We are called to be soldiers and to spread the message and to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a recent survey done among 10,000 people. And the question was, what was responsible for your coming to Christ and to church. And the um, answers were very interesting. The uh, replies, I had a special need, 3%. I just walked in, 3%. I like the minister, 6%. I visited there, 1%. I like the Bible classes, 5%. I attended a gospel meeting, half a percent. I like the programs, 3%. A friend or relative invited me, 79%. So you can see the way that your witness and your evangelism and your invitation to people is going to work. Almost 80% of those that were surveyed, how did they come to Christ? How did they come to church? Almost 80% said, 
the first thing that happened was a friend or a relative invited me. And we uh, need to be witnesses. Now, you know and I know how hard that is, particularly with our friends or relatives, to be able to speak to them. And we are under pressure today. You have heard it said, uh, I think a person's religion is personal. We don't need to discuss it. Uh, I don't like people who are dogmatic or fanatical about it. And there's this pressure, particularly, it's never been any different, but particularly in this day, there are those that want uh, religion to be put in the background, to be a personal thing that you never speak about or tell anybody about. And they tell us that if you are evangelizing or telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're somehow stuffing it down their throat, even though all of uh, the uh, uh, agenda that we have today has been pushed on everybody. But we find it hard. It, it is difficult. But we notice that we have a command. We don't have a, 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 we don't have a choice in this matter. If we are the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have to go out and we have to be in the battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. So we notice the uh, command here, but look at also the commander. If you're going into a battle, you need a good commander. And you think of El Alamein 80 years ago, and there were two good commanders. Erwin Rommel on the German side was a very experienced general, but Field Marshal Montgomery was also a very good general. In 1942, uh, Winston Churchill appointed him uh, to the Western Desert, and he went out there, and uh, he rapidly began to make the supplies that were coming to the troops better, that they were fed, that they were trained, so that they were prepared for the battle. Before this, they hadn't been supplied properly. But in two months, he changed that around and got the troops ready for the battle. And we think of our great commander, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the text there, Though therefore endure your hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's our commander. He's the one that we are fighting for. And we are fighting as his troops today. And we need to be obedient to him. A good commander makes sure that his troops are going to follow the orders, that they know what the orders are. And what we need to do today is make sure that we know what God has said in his word. We're not going to be prepared for the battle if we're not fed and we feed upon the bread that comes from the word of God. We're not going to prepare for the battle if we don't know what the orders are and what we are to do. And again, we find the orders in the precious word of God. So, thank God today we have an appointment to the battle and we recognize that we are in a battle and in a fight for the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only do I want you to see the appointment to the battle, but I want you to see the attack in the battle. He says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And the reason why we have to endure hardness is we're under attack. We are in a place where the uh, enemy is coming against us, and it is a strong enemy. There's a uh, song that, uh, a little song, it says, it's a battlefield, brother, 
not a recreation room, it's a fight and not a game. And it isn't. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? And Psalm 2 makes it perfectly plain that this world system is against God and against his word. And we think of the devil today. The liberals will deny the existence of the devil, but uh, we uh, recognize that there is an evil force in this world. And we'll never understand the world or the way that the world works unless we recognize that there is a devil, that there's an evil force that is in this world. But you think of what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels and principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness. And we think of what's happening in this world at the present time and the attack that there is upon the things of God. There's a hatred against the gospel. They want to destroy the family. They want to destroy the institutions of government. They want to destroy the nation. They want to destroy the church. And all of those institutions are those that have been set up by God. They want to destroy Israel. They want to destroy God's people. All of those things, you can recognize them. If you have only eyes to see, all of the targets of uh, the world in this day and generation are the targets that are those things that are loved by God and those things that are set up by God. And we, it's plain to see. And we can't take the devil lightly and we definitely do not take him as a figment of the imagination. We are in a struggle today. And I want you to see that the enemy that we fight is a spiritual enemy. It speaks there of spiritual wickedness or spiritual evil. It focuses on the evil that we are against. And there is an ongoing evil in this world. You think of what uh, people are for today, defunding the police. They are for opening the prisons. They are for being light on the criminals. They are for um, dealing death in abortion. They are for all of these evil things. Spiritual wickedness. It is evil. Spiritual evil that we are fighting in this day. And demonic powers that we are fighting. And we think about the schemes of the devil. He is a spiritual enemy. He's also a spiteful enemy. There's no holes barred with the devil. He's not operating on the normal rules of conflict. He is wicked and he will deal wickedly. He will work wickedly. He will do things in unscrupulous ways and in vicious ways and in lying ways. He's a liar from the beginning. He will tell lies. He will use propaganda. He will use the twisting of facts or what they call the spin today. He's a spiteful enemy and he wants to do us down. He's also a strong enemy. We don't take him or underestimate the power of the devil. And he does have power. He's not all powerful as God is all powerful. But we think about how when he came against Job, 
uh, that he was able to call upon the forces of nature, actually, and he was able to uh, call upon uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, natural world, and there was some power there that he had. And we think about the power of the devil, and we recognize that the only way that we're going to be able to stand against it, we can't stand in our own power or by our own strength. The only way that we can stand is having on the armor of God and to be able to stand in the strength of God. And sometimes we treat the work of God so lightly and we don't realize what an awful battle we're in and how we need to be strong. The Bible speaks about the prince of the power of the air and we think about his power. It speaks about him going to and fro, walking uh, in, up and down in the earth. So he's not everywhere present. And sometimes when we talk as God's people, you think that the devil's everywhere. Uh, the actual Satan himself is in every meeting or in every place. He's not. He walks up and down in the earth. He is a creature like you and me. He's in a specific place at one time. He cannot be everywhere, but he has a, he has a multitude of demons. He has a, a vast army of demons. And they can be in many places. They're, they're not going to be everywhere at one time, but they can be in many places, and particularly where the fight is going on. That's where they're going to concentrate, where there is an effective church, where the gospel is being preached. That's where they're going to be. They're going to be. And the devil has power over man. He has power to deal with the mind. He uh, doesn't read the mind, in, 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 except in effect in, in the sense that uh, with all his experience down the years, he begins to read what people are and the kind of people that they are. And with all the experience and with all the intelligence that the devil has, he is able to get beyond and able to pervert the mind. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 verses 3 to 4, But if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost, in whom the gold of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel which, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine and unto them. He blinds the mind. He's able to bring a fog, as it were, over the mind. He begins to get people to think in illogical ways, and we certainly see much of that in the world in which we live. He is a strong enemy, but he's also a subtle enemy. We, Ephesians 6 verse 11 speaks about the wiles of the devil. And the word wiles there is used to speak of a, a, a wild animal that silently stalks the prey and then pounces just at the time when the animal is distracted and is able to devour it. It speaks about the, the, the name Satan actually means scheming trickster. That's what he is. He deals in lies. He deals in falsehood. He comes to you and tells you lies. Oh, you're no good. You, you could be no good in the work of God. Look at all that you have done and all the things. And he become, he, he, the uh, Bible, he, he speaks about him as Satan. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
That's what he does. He wants to neutralize you and me in this battle by coming and accusing us and bringing up our old sins, sins that are under the blood long ago. And he brings those sins and he tells you, look at what you've done. You're no good to God. God couldn't use you. God couldn't make use of somebody like you. And he comes as the accuser of the brethren. The word devil actually means deceiver. We're told in Revelation 12 and 9, and the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He's a deceiver. So we need to recognize the wiles of the devil. He's a schemer, and he wants to deceive, and he wants to defraud, and it seems uh, no matter how skeptical you are and how careful you are, it, you can be caught by the deceits and lies of the, the devil. And the Bible warns us about the deceit that is there so that we are forewarned, so that we are forearmed. We are to put on the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith whereby we quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. The fiery darts are the thoughts that the devil fires at us in order to get us out of the battle, in order to wound us, in order to get us to stop fighting in this battle for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to take the shield of faith, and we need to stand with that great faith in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only do I want you to see the appointment in the battle and the uh, attack in the battle, but look at the attitude in the battle. Now, I want you to see what the apostle says here. He says, we are to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, he says, no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life. So there's something of what we are to do. How, how are we going to stand in this battle? Well, first of all, he speaks about endurance, patience, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When our Heavenly Father determines to give us the gift of uh, um, endurance, it's one of the most precious gifts that we can have. And we think about the battle that's around us, the forces that are against us. We think of the onward uh, march that there is. It's going to, uh, we're going to need stamina. We're going to need patience. We, we're going to have to stand. He says, having done all, to stand. And when we're standing, we're not going backward. We're not retreating in this battle. And in Second Timothy 1 verse 8 Paul uses the same word that is endurance there. It speaks of being a partaker of affliction. And that's really what it is. We are afflicted. We will be afflicted. We will have to stand. He's thinking about the soldier here, the Roman soldier, who is disciplined. When the arrows are flying in, when the cavalry is coming against him, he's taught to stand. He doesn't retreat. If he, if he begins to back away... He's not only exposing himself, but he's exposing those around him. So the Roman soldier was taught to stand, having the put up the shield, and they would put it up in a, a way that they were under a kind of a, a barrier in a box like they made with the 
shields so that they were able to stand. And this is what he means by enduring hardness. How will we learn to stand? Well, really, through experience, through going through hard times, through going through difficult times. And when we begin to learn that God is with us, and when we begin to recognize that God is at our back and we have a mighty commander who's there and his strategy is winning the battle, when we begin to recognize that we have a mighty commander, we will stand. The devil will come and say, you're lost. The, the cause is lost. The church is uh, going. The church is uh, fading away and the, the people are lose, leaving the pews and all of the rest of it. Isn't that the message that we're getting today? No, the Lord says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not only is there endurance, but we are to consider our entanglement. A good soldier, he says, is not entangled in the affairs of this life. John MacArthur said, a soldier is a soldier 24 hours a day, every day of the year. Consequently, he is separated from his normal environment so that he will not entangle himself in the affairs of everyday life. Entangle himself translates a passive form of impleco, which literally means to weave. Paul is not speaking about things that necessarily are wrong in themselves. It's not that a soldier should have no contact at all with his former friends and surroundings, but that he is not to become caught up or enmeshed in them. In other words, he's saying here, well, you can have friends with those that are not Christians or outside the church, but you're not going to be entangled with them. It's like the soldier. When the soldier goes off to battle, he, he leaves behind his friends and his loved ones. He leaves behind his job. He leaves behind his surroundings. And he goes out to the battle, and he's concentrating on the battle. He's not caught up with the affairs of this life. And he's not saying here as... Uh, John MacArthur has said, he's not saying that these things that we leave are wrong in themselves or that they uh, don't have their place in our lives. And we are to serve our families. We are to serve in our workplaces and do the ordinary things. But we're not to be caught up with them. We're not to be enmeshed with them. They're not, those things are not going to be first in what we do. We're not entangled in the affairs of this life. So there's endurance and there's entanglement. There's also encouragement. Look at verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And Timothy is in danger here. He's enduring hardness. That's difficult. It's fighting. It's, uh, he's fighting. But what does he do for encouragement? Well, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Remember the commander. Remember what you're fighting for. Remember who you're fighting for. Remember the great cause. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And when we do that, my, what a mighty thing it is. Not only is there encouragement, there's expectation. We are to fight the good fight of faith. And we will win the day uh, through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God we can have expectation that as we fight, that we will take ground for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But one more thing I want you to see very briefly, and that is the award from the battle. Paul refers to good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Good soldiers. You see, the Bible indicates that there are rewards for those that fight in this battle. Paul was able to say at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he says, there is henceforth laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his uh, appearing. In Galatians 6 and 9, it says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. There is a reward. We are fighting in this battle, and we're fighting on the victory side, and that's one of the things that we are able to say. We are on the victory side. There is victory at the end of this battle, so we don't need to be discouraged. We can fight with confidence in this battle because we will prevail. But also, we recognize that the Lord Jesus Christ is by our side. And we are, in heaven's terms, good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And I wonder, when we stand before him, when we come to the end of our lives, will we be able to say, like the apostle, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Will that be our testimony at the end of the day? We struggle in the turmoil. We struggle in the battle. But how important it is that we renew ourselves in the battle for our Lord Jesus Christ today. May God bless his word and write it upon our hearts for his name's sake. We'll sing a couple of verses of the last hymn there, Onward Christian Soldiers Marching Us to War. We'll sing the first two verses of the hymn and let's stand as we sing the hymn. 546, please.
gracious Father in heaven, we pray that we might go onward as Christian soldiers in this day. May we fight the battle for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, O oh God, we pray that we might be instant uh, and uh, de uh, dedicated soldiers for Thee as we fight day by day. Bless us now. Take us to our homes in safety. Be with us throughout this day. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we ask these things. Amen.